Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. For the second straight year in Germany, they wish to be taken home via country roads to the place they belong, West Virginia, even though they couldn't find it on a map. Most people in America can't find it on a map. I'll travel the country and I'll say I'm from West Virginia and they'll say I've been to Virginia. I'll say I've been to Virginia too. I don't live there. I live in West Virginia. What, the, Not it, Virginia. It, West Virginia. It's, it's Yes, we know. You're from West Virginia. Yes. yes and I'm proud of it. We know you are. We know you don't have Although I had no say in the matter. It was where I grew up. It was where my parents did not give me the option to live in any other state when I was a child. Right, I so had no choice in the matter. You got to wear it then. And just That's right. That. That's right. Go down fighting. Uh, it, it, I, I'm I am, it's amazing that fan base. It really is. You know, I mean, what I want to know is one: don't they have anywhere to go? Uh, it's a know, cultural you know, thing. They hang around when it's over. They do it with soccer they matches do it with too. Soccer? Okay. They just hang around. They hang around. They just a loiter bit. in the stands when kind it's over. Enjoy the. They're not worried about beating the traffic. Right. My dad was always, "Let's beat the traffic." Right. Nobody's worried about beating the traffic. No. To where they're going to be in traffic because they're all going to leave together 30, 40 minutes yeah. after the football. There's no game. traffic to beat. They are the traffic, <laughs> and they're all staying. Uh, it is, but it, it is a great scene, and it, you notice it as soon as you turn on the game. You really do. As soon as you turned the game on yesterday at 9.28, when I kind of like turned to the NFL network, and you go, man, you can feel the buzz in the stadium, the energy about it. It does have a playoff feel to it. It was a lot of fun to watch. It was a very cool stadium, and, of course, it was two really good teams to put on a show for the German people. Trent McDuffie told me that yesterday, that it had that playoff vibe to it. That helps the Chiefs. They've got the playoff experience. You said that last week. about way it may help the Dolphins in the playoffs this year. right. Not that it helped them yesterday, yesterday yeah. but having that to draw on could help them. And there were a lot of Chiefs fans. Peter King joined us from Germany on Friday and said it was 200 to 1 Chiefs fans just that he had seen around Frankfurt. Yeah. And when you saw the cameras pan yesterday, a lot of Chiefs fans. They were, a lot of fans of various other teams, too. Yeah, right. But a lot of Chiefs fans. They were tomahawk chopping and doing the and Chiefs they were doing anthem the, yeah. and all the whole thing yeah. and doing all that. Uh, what I would like to know is how many actually were like – from American Kansas City fans, and how many have just jumped on to, wait, it's Mahomes, it's Kansas City, just like we've seen with Brady and the Patriots, where it just becomes like, wait, they're the best team, he's the best player, why wouldn't I jump on that bandwagon there and be a part of it, right? I mean, so I, I just wonder how many of them were That's a great Chiefs question. Fans, right? Well, like, I mean? how many Chiefs fans said, we're going to Germany, Germany no matter what, we're right. getting our passports right. and we're going to Germany? Right. I would think, you know, just like we saw with Brady last year on the Bucks that – Mahomes is now the big thing over there, and the ones that, that pay attention to football and like the sport. And yeah, I would think a lot of them are just going. Hey, I'm going to buy their jerseys. They're the ones I see in the Super Bowl every year. Let me jump on that bag wagon. Damn, that guy's good. And uh, it was it was a fun game. It was defensive struggle, which was you know kind of the curveball of the day. Uh, it wasn't easy for either offense throughout the game. Well, the Chiefs went right down the field to start the game. Right. 
And the Dolphins looked like they were going to answer. And I'm thinking, we're going to have a barn burner here. It's going to be 41-38. And I love games like that. And then it really slowed down. The Chiefs got that second touchdown late in the half. Yeah, late in the second quarter. And then that freaking moment. That was the wow of the day. It was. The Dolphins are moving. Before the half. Right. It looks like it's going to be 14-7. And they get the ball. And they get the 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 Belichick double dip. It could be 14-14. So this thing's getting very interesting now. Screen pass to Tyreek Hill. Trent McDuffie diagnoses it, hits him, knocks the ball out. Mike Edwards picks it up. And McDuffie told me all he heard was guys going, pitch it, pitch it, pitch it, pitch it. <laughs> and uh, Mike Edwards with the pitch to Mike Brian Edwards Cook. Mike Edwards picks it to Brian Cook. Right. And Brian Cook, a shot out of a cannon 59 yards for the touchdown. He opened up. That looked like he had track background right there. He was like, wait, I got to get out of the box and start opening up the stride like my old high school track coach used to tell me. I love it when you can see in their legs. You yeah. can see the effort, They're the digging. extra effort yeah. in the legs. You are you are making it happen to get that extra speed. But that was great by McDuffie to get the ball out. He never played with Tyreek Hill. He told me he spoke to all the offensive players right. that Jerry. Sneed went back and watched training camp practice film from two years ago. Him and Tyreek in one-on-one drills to pick up things. They knew they had to put hands on him. They had to disrupt the timing. I mean, we've seen it the last two weeks. We saw it against the Eagles. We saw it against the Patriots. You got him doubled, but you give him a free release. He just zoomed right by you. Yeah. You got to get in his face. They were in his face all day long. You got to redirect him. You got to disrupt the timing of the offense. That's right. I don't know why other teams don't realize that that's what you have to do to neutralize Tyreek Hill. Yeah, you got to have some talent, talented people. You got to be, uh, you know, you know, in doing that, you got to, you know, have some other creative aspects to bring to the table because you can't cover them man to man all all play long, right? Spagnolo was the star of the day, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I mean, for, for the reasons you said, they got hands on Tyreek a ton. Even when they played zones, they, you could see that there was an, 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 an extra emphasis on, you know, knock him off his mark a little bit. Don't let him fly up on our safety so fast that there's nothing we can do there. Tactical blitzing. That's where Steve Spagnolo is amazing and going, you know, we're, we can't, we don't have all, you don't have enough answers to stop some of these offenses like the Dolphins, the Eagles. So you got to take some chances and go, you know, we're going to leave this area voided a little bit. And through my studies, I don't think they're going to burn us here, but I have a feel for their protection when they get in these moments. The all out blitz at the end of the football game was a huge moment. And Tua takes his eyes off, off the snap because I think he's looking at the blitz. Uh, the Chiefs defense continues to amaze me. I don't know why. There's a part of me that thinks they're going to you know, fall off here, but I think yesterday n- put the nail in the coffin for me. Like They're real. They're one of the best defenses in football. That ain't going to change. They've hit some home runs with some of these young guys they've drafted, McDuffie being one of them. I mean, McDuffie's one of the best tackling corners in football. He's a great cover corner. And if we could go back to that fumble play that you know Mike was talking about with Tyreek and all that, that to me, like you were saying – you know, not this play, but the Tyreek fumble for the, the touchdown. That, to me, was the the way they play defense there. You know, it's the second time this year where we've gone, you know, hey, the when or it's the third time, when Miami can't throw little screens and quick short passes and Tyreek can't run, right, they're a different football team. And if you guys can rewind this, look at this here. This is second and six, okay, and just back to the start of the play if you don't mind. Look at how my, Kansas City's playing. Right? There's five guys at the line of scrimmage. All right? It's tight man-to-man bump and run like you're talking about, Mike. So they're not going to let them throw a little quick short pass or a screen and let them run and have space and do something crazy. So they challenged all this stuff. And then here Tua gets the ball and he's going, okay, well, I'm still going to throw it out there. I hope we block it the right way. But McDuffie's a phenomenal player. He beats Durham Smythe there and gets up and makes the tackle. And what a play by Edwards to have the wherewithal to pitch that ball to Cook. You know, phenomenal play. I'm just blown away by the Chiefs' D this year. And that seven points ended up being the difference in the game because they held on to win 21-14. to You mentioned the effort by the, the Dolphins to win it late. We showed the clip of that fumble. Here's Tua Tonga-Vailoa from after the game about the last two plays because it was that, that oh, fumble. He hit a go-round and before, before, that, before. It looked Touchdown. like somebody shot it with a pellet gun. It, I don't if know we what shown happened. That, no. that pass, the guy was open. 
and it looked like when he let it go, we're, we're watching the game, somebody in the viewing room said, oh, there it is, and the ball just kind of fell out of the sky. It was, like it hit the scoreboard right. like the punt earlier in the it game. It was 15 yards short, right? It just, it just, it just I've I, never seen that before. He had, I want to say it was Cedric Wilson, I can't remember who it was, going down the left sideline, right? I think they're going to pull it up here in a second. But, yeah, it was one of those moments where when he geared up to throw it, we saw, you know, that the guy was sending I'm going, oh, oh, he's got him, and because you're seeing the receiver separate, and I mean, it's, I, I don't know what happened. With Last shout there. out of the Roman candle, as John Madden used to say. He tried to, I think, just touch it. I think he saw the guy open. He was on his back foot. Instead of just letting it rip, he tried to be too careful. And, yeah, the ball totally lost But it was you know, weird. It was an team. optical illusion. When he launched it, it looked like it was going. And it just kind of took a weird arc and just, yeah, well, Yeah, that's where, you know, he's a high-effort thrower. And that's where he can be deceiving because we go, oh, he's going to throw the rifle here. And, you know, you go, oh, well, he doesn't really have a rifle. He's more of a touch, get the ball out of his hand quick, move, all that. But you can see there. He Receiver kinda, wasn't happy. Receiver yeah. knew he had no, it. No, he had it. And I think, you know, Tua, I don't know what he's doing there. Look, he kind of just lofted it up like it was going to be a 10 or 12-yard completion. And Cedric Wilson's going, no, you got to throw it another 20 yards. I'm going to catch it in the back of the end zone like he did with Tyree Kill at the uh, end of the first half against the Eagles game. But, yeah, severely underthrowed. People open everywhere. Look at Mozart going across the middle of the field there as well. They blew an opportunity there. Even on the fumbled snap at the end of the game, he's got Waddle over the middle. And that's going to be a big gain or put them close to the end zone, if not a touchdown. Uh, the point is what you said, though, I think, to start. Miami is just I'm, – I'm done with Miami. I'm not picking them to beat a team that's good until I see it. I'm done with that. They're just beating, beating up on the poor in the NFL. But – you're seeing that their offensive line can't handle, can't handle the good defensive lines in football, right? They couldn't run the ball, and I know it's going to say 12 carries, 85 yards with Raheem Mostert. It came at the end of the game when Kansas City was playing prevent defenses, the majority of those yards, right? So they weren't unable to dominate the line of scrimmage there that way. And then the other thing that's crucial to me with Miami, and I said this a few weeks ago when we did their Sunday night game, get them to third down. When you can get Miami to third down, because now the, the reverses and the speed sweeps and all the creative runs and the screens are not in play, right? they got to drop back and throw it. That, when you can get them there, that's when you can win. And that's what it looked like the whole game plan was with Kansas City yesterday. Get them to third down. We'll make Tua make a throw in the pocket with people around him. And let's see if he can do it. And that, to me, is still a big question with Tua as we go forward. Well, and those last two plays, it was Tua with an opportunity to make the throw. and it, it, that's it They're telling you how they played it. The mark. And then on fourth down, they the all-out blitz. We're putting and it, it on you. Messed and you him make up the enough throw. and he fumbled it. Exactly right. Here's Tua from after the game talking about those final two plays for the Dolphins offense in the 21-14 loss. Ian said um, that was just miscommunication and you know in, in big time moments those things like that can't happen so um, you know I, I, I got to throw a better ball um, you know it, it was just miscommunication there um, and then with, with the last play of the game I mean, I'm always going to blame myself I, I you know I, I got to catch the ball um, so whether that's getting in a in a better position to catch it or whatever it is. Uh, can't end the game like that uh, when we have an opportunity like that against a really good team. I love Tua, but I'm not ready to accept that it was a miscommunication because if that was the ball he was supposed to throw, it was getting picked off. I don't know in what world that throw gets, gets caught. I, uh, the only thing I think is, that was he supposed to adjust to an out route? Was it supposed to be but maybe just the a, way it just kind of? I know. Was it supposed to be up a in the slant? air? Like, oh wait, we yeah. got blitz. You got to adjust it here. I, I don't know. I need to take a closer look when I watch the coaches' film there. You know, but yeah, it's it's and it's, it's okay. If it was a bad throw. Yeah, I just think it was a bad. It happens. It, it, was, it was a bad throw. The ball didn't come out right. The ball, you know, he lost grip on it. Whatever. I just think that he had him. If that wasn't the intended throw, right. and that if he would have been in position to catch it, the defensive back would have been in position to pick it off. Yeah, the yeah. way that that ball just kind of yeah. went up and came right down. Um, so the Dolphins uh, are now six and three. Yeah, they've got their bye week next, and then they've got the Raiders. They're at the Jets, the Black Friday game, first ever, three o'clock Eastern, coming up on November 24th. They're at the Commanders. Okay, so that's three games they could win. I don't know what's going to happen at the Jets, because who knows with the Jets? Who knows, right? Who knows what no, happens? You don't. Then it's the Titans on a Monday night, which is another one that, you know, okay. And then they got the Jets again at home. 
But here's how it ends for the Dolphins. Cowboys at Ravens, Bills. Yeah. That's three mm. big games. Right. And you know, we talked earlier about the Bills. It may come down to week 18 for them to get in. It may come down to week 18 for the Dolphins to win the division. The Jets aren't going away. The Jets get a win tonight, and they are right smack dab in the middle of all of it. Uh, what a crazy division. But, yeah, the Dolphins have to start. And I don't know. When, so when you look at these games coming up, based upon their history, beat the bad teams, lose to the good teams, we see him beat the Ra- Do you see him beat the Jets in New York? Yeah, I, Does I, that I think, fall into the category I, of one they'll win? I, 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 I think that's a coin toss. I yeah. do. I think that defense will be able to make the game ugly and kind of do what we've seen to Miami in their three losses where it just it doesn't function well. All of a sudden it's a 17, 20-point type of football game, and the Jets thrive in those kind of So that's a maybe. It's a that's maybe. a maybe. Right. At the Commanders is a win. Yeah. The, the Jets at home, that's, I'm getting ahead of myself here. The Jets at home, though, they eventually get them. That's enough. That's, you're more likely to sure. say they win that one since it's at home? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Right. The Titans is a win, right? Yeah, I would think so. The Tennessee could, I think, can make it maybe make the game ugly, too. Control the ball, run the ball a little bit, take away some of those tricks we talk about. But I would expect them to win. Cowboys in Miami is going to be interesting. Yes, Cowboys in Dallas, Christmas we'd Eve. say the Cowboys right. would win. Cowboys in Miami, I don't know. But, but, but if they can't beat good teams, they're not going to beat the Cowboys. Right. They're going to pose problems for them. And we can see when, they, when you have a good defensive line, Miami struggles, and they don't run the ball the same, and all of a sudden people are around Tua, and he's not a, I'm going to throw lasers around the field with people around me in the pocket collapsing. That's not the kind of quarterback he is. He's a space quarterback. At the Ravens is night night for the Dolphins unless Lamar Jackson gets injured again in December. Yeah, or they I hate have to like say the number that, one seed blowed up. Yeah, like exactly, and, then, and they're and just they pulling everybody it. out. Right, right. And then the Bills week eighteen, like we said, but yeah, they, they could they could go twelve and five. Yeah, twelve and five, not out of the question for the Dolphins. No. Win the division. They need a home game in South Florida to advance. But when you take that show on the road to face great teams in January, that's when it's going to end. At Cincinnati, at Kansas City. At Baltimore, those are the three places that I think the end of the road comes for the Miami Dolphins this year, unless yesterday's experience in Germany gives them something where they're not freaked out in a big moment and we don't have these these glitches that we saw at the yeah, end of the game right. from Tua. You just got to get, get to the point where you eliminate those glitches because that's the difference between winning and losing. And in the playoffs, it's the difference between advancing and going home. Definitely. definitely. It's, 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 they need to become battle-tested, right? They got to be able to show that they can win some of these ugly football games where it's not a track meet and it's a seven-on-seven flag football game and all of a sudden it becomes all about physicality and win the line of scrimmage and all that. Can they win those kind of games? And that's what we're still waiting to see with the Miami Dolphins. That's the crazy thing with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are doing that week in and week out. The Chiefs are almost the vice versa version of that. I go, can they keep? Can they beat the elite teams in football continuing to play like this, right? Can they beat the Ravens and the Bengals and the Jaguars and whoever else I'm missing there in the AFC to go, you know, the way they're playing right now, relying on the defense, the offense being very They already very beat the Jaguars spotty. like that. Yeah, they did early in the year, right? 17-9, to 9, it, was a, it was a struggle. Uh, but I just, it, I, I guess I'm still amazed by the the style of football in which they're playing, how much they're relying on the defense. You know, I know they got Mahomes, and he's one of the greatest of all time. But you know, as we see again yesterday, after the first drive, Miami kind of got a feel for them. Okay, wait, we now we know what to do. They start to get bold and go, wait, we can cover these guys man-to-man. There's nobody that's scary. They start to dabble in that a little bit, and all of a sudden the Chiefs can't do jack diddly squat, right? So that's where I just wonder as we go forward, is their offense going to be able to execute at a high enough level that it's going to be able to beat the upper echelon teams in the AFC that that's really a crazy question I can't believe I'm saying it the Bengals are the ones I worry about because even when the Chiefs are exercising their offense at a high level the Bengals can still keep up with can it go with and them the Ravens look like they might be going yeah. that way too where their offense might be so good it doesn't matter like you got to keep up with them a yeah. little bit here so we'll see where it goes the AFC I think is uh, it, the AFC is just it's phenomenal after yesterday all I, I came away thinking Man, is the AFC, how good is it? How good is actually the NFC, I think, is what I really want to ask, right? I mean, we've seen the Bengals, I mean, wipe the floor with the 49ers, beat the Seahawks, right? You know, we saw what they did to the Bills last night. the Ravens did to the Lions exactly. and the Seahawks. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. There's the Ra- That's where I was going yeah. with this. Exactly. The Ravens absolutely annihilating two of the best teams in the NFC. So there's a part of me that is questioning the NFC a little bit now, right now, compared to the top teams in the AFC. Break time when we return. Superlatives for Week 9. More PFT Live right after this.
What's up, y'all? Um, Josh Dobbs, honored to be in Minnesota. Introduce myself to everyone. Um, tremendous game, like team effort. I know, obviously, the circumstance that was put in um, was a little abnormal for, for a Sunday in the NFL. It's like if you were taking Spanish all year um, and you showed up and uh, Wednesday, someone told you, you got, you're taking AP Spanish and someone told you you have an AP French exam on Sunday. Um, and you gotta go like execute. You know, someone's gonna talk to you in, in Spanish and translate it to the French. So that's kind of like what was going on out there. Josh Dobbs after yesterday's 31-28 win by the Vikings over the Falcons, a game that he was not gonna play at all. Last week, Kevin O'Connell said after the trade that Jaron Hall, the rookie, fifth rounder from BYU, would get the start and that Josh Dobbs would play a supportive role. And that was kind of vague, like is he gonna package of plays? Dobbs told me after the game he wasn't playing unless Jaron Hall couldn't go. First drive, concussion at the goal line. Enter Josh Dobbs. He had had him with the ta- tablet uh, on the sideline. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, tablet, tablet, tablet. What, like, are what? what are they doing? What are they doing? But, you know, he, it's amazing. And my, my superlative is just got here. That's a nod to the Bills injury report last week for Rasul Douglas, another guy who was traded deadline, just got here. And what he did was – he put in time with the quarterbacks, Sean Mannion and Nick Mullins, quarterbacks coach. There's an assistant quarterbacks coach whose name is escaping me at this moment, but he's the guy that focused on Dobbs because they had to get Jaron Hall ready. I mean, let's think about this. Yeah. Jaron Hall Rookie. making his first career start in place of Kirk Cousins. They're shell-shocked from what happened to Cousins. They're all discombobulated. They do the trade for Dobbs on Tuesday. They're trying to get Jaron Hall ready. That's the main focus. The assistant quarterback's coach takes Dobbs under his wing. They have a two-and-a-half-hour session after practice on Friday where you know you don't need to know the whole playbook. You just need to know the plays that are in the game plan. That's, right. That's what Dobbs told me. Yep. I knew the plays in the game plan well enough to go out and run them. He had Kevin O'Connell constantly in his ear before each play, working, working, working. And, Chris, here's the other thing that's amazing because he had some great throws. But he had some great runs. He led all rushers. That's right. You think about the team the Falcons have with Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, and Cordero Patterson. You've got Dobbs, and this was the fourth and seven, 22-yard run. I said, when do you know that it's time to run? He said, when everyone's covered because they don't have a spy on yeah, me. Right. Everyone's covered. Just go. Just go. And he's fast. I mean, when he decides he's going to go, yeah, right. like when Mahomes goes – it's kind of like all slow motion, and everybody's just kind of dancing around. Like, where's Mahomes? When Dobbs goes, he goes. Yeah, he's got he's got some wheels. He does. I mean, he was a big part of why Arizona's rushing attack was, you know, up there towards the top of football because of the, some of the quarterback design runs and things they can add in the, in the football game around him. That way, I would think that's something we see, you know, going forward with Minnesota. It's remarkable yesterday. It really is. I mean, it's it's crazy. There's no way he could have known, you know, all the guys on the field. I heard after the game, right, Kevin O'Connell is literally when they were breaking the huddle, like kind of telling them things about the plays, right? Like, and I'm Constantly. Sure, he said he was screaming into his headset before every play about sure, what he needed to know. You've, yeah. got the, you've got the communication system right. until 15 seconds, yep. and he was loading it in with extra information. Break the huddle, you say the play, and you're in an instance like that. You know, those are the kind of things you read the play, you say it, and then as a quarterback, you're walking the line of scrimmage, you're like, okay, wait, what did I say? What is the play actually? I mean, this clip right here where the offensive line is standing around him so they can hear his snap count and cadence because the starters haven't gone with them so they can get a feel for that when it's out in the field and they don't jump off sides. That's unbelievable. But then O'Connell getting in his ear, I'm sure giving him some you know context clues when he's walking up the line of scrimmage. Hey, hey, we want to X is number one on the in cut. Y is running the shallow cross is number two. And then just look for your check down. I'm sure it was type of reminders like that that go a long way to kind of help out a quarterback there. But unbelievable. And I think it speaks, again, a lot to your coach and your defensive coordinator and what you got up there in Minnesota. To win a game like that, they were down 21-13. to Atlanta had the ball. And you're going, it just kind of felt like Atlanta's going to put them away here, right, at some point. And then Bijan Robinson fumbles after a nice little run around midfield. 
you guys go down and get a touchdown. The next play, Washington gets, I mean, uh, not Washington, Atlanta gets the ball back again. Heineke throws an interception. All of a sudden, they're losing the football game, and Minnesota's up. Uh, it was a fun game to and watch, then the Falcons, And then the Falcons, Falcons drive, drive down, down and score, right. and that's that. And then, and and then the guy that just drive. got there right. leads them on the drive. And after yeah. the game, Kevin O'Connell spikes the headset. He was animated. He was passionate. He was pissed. There was a helmet-to-helmet. Jesse Bates on Jordan Addison that was uncalled. He was giving it to the officials. He was working the officials all day. I think it was extra rewarding for him because I go back to last Monday. Yeah. His attitude was, this isn't a challenge. This isn't an obstacle. This is an opportunity great to dig deep yeah. and show what we can do. And that's the kind of validation to everything he's doing. Everyone in that locker room, everyone in that organization is going to be all in with anything he says. When you say to people, follow me on this, trust me on this, I'll make it work, right. and it works, they're all going to – any doubt that might have been there is gone. So they're all in with this. And I don't know if it's going to be Jaron Hall or Josh Dobbs next week. Dobbs said he hadn't been told anything, but I'd be yesterday, shocked if be not, not – I mean, if he's, if he's that good when he's not ready, sorry, Jaron Hall, but – this guy got it done. This guy got the win. You hate to see a guy lose his opportunity because of a head injury, but Dobbs got it done. Yeah, no, Dobbs got it done. He did. And uh, I, I would think we're going to see him as a starting quarterback next week. I got to get my Josh Dobbs. Especially, well, I like it a Josh Dobbs. I, I know you do. Especially we, don't, we don't need to start four. pouring pedals off. There's no I love you know, him, I love, love him, him not. Yeah, I love him. I've love always him. loved him. Yeah, I, they're five and four. They're in the thick of things here. He does have experience, you know. He played pretty damn good for Arizona before they decided to make the change. So uh, I would think they're going to ride with him. And and you know, it was a complete team win there for you guys. The turnovers we talked about. I thought early on in the football game too, when Atlanta was kind of controlling things, the defense holding Atlanta to field goals. That's what's right? amazing. That was it the huge part of the it game. It felt like it was a twenty point game. It did. There was a lot of point times where you, if you didn't look at the scoreboard, you'd look back at the game and go, wait, they're up by 13, 17, right? Isn't it? Oh, what? It's only a one-score game? Uh, so that was uh, also kudos to Brian Flores and the defense for, for helping out in the team effort. Because too. Josh Dobbs had a couple of fumbles. Yeah, right. And the Falcons were never able to turn it Capitalized, into touchdowns. Right, and they, they, right. One of them, especially very short field, they should have gotten a touchdown. The Vikings defense has been very good. Everyone's stepping up. Everyone's doing their part. Everyone's carrying a little bit extra, working a little bit harder. And that's going to continue. This week, the Saints will see them the next week on Sunday Night Football at Denver. Not an easy place to play. Then they've got the Bears, and they've got their bye. Then they've got the Raiders. Their next game that you look and say, oh, we've got a problem, is when they go to Cincinnati Week 15. But they can keep this going four wins in a row, and they can keep it going. And as you've said all along, now look, I still don't know how I feel about them without Kirk Cousins yeah, in the playoffs. You. But the, the defense better. is so much right. better, and the team collectively yeah. is better than it was last year. Right. Better suited to, to maybe football. maybe making it competitive with an elite team. I, I I would agree. I mean, if it was Kirk Cousins, I would totally agree with you there. And let's see if they can grow Dobbs and get him there and get him, you know, get him to that point to where you're saying. All right, that's one superlative. Do you have one? So uh, have I have two. so many superlatives for the next one, okay? I mean, one of them, just from the Giants' perspective, could be, ew, ew, but I'm going to go to the positive Raiders part for Antonio Pierce and smoke him if you got him. Because they were smoking that stuff after the game. I'm surprised they, the uh, the sprinklers didn't go off in the Damn, locker room right. with all those cigars that were there. I mean, they were up. acting like they won the Super Bowl. But, hey, good for them for celebrating. I, I, you know, again. Part of it's ding-dong, the witch is dead. I, 100%. I was, I'm with you there. I think it's just, hey, you know, the New England way is out of our building. We can relax and take breath and have, you know, you know fun playing football. I think that's part of it, too. Antonio Pierce being an ex-player, right? He understands the energy, what it takes there, how to unite a locker room. It's a fun little thing. A team hasn't won you know, a ton of games this year. But I, that was, you know, one, even before Daniel Jones got hurt, it didn't look good for the Giants. I, I mean, I, the Wink Martindale, the defense of the Giants, has been so great all year. Really, the Raiders came out kind of having their way with the Giants' defense. Defense, you know, Giants were in a hole early. And then when Daniel Jones got hurt, and it didn't look good. 
Uh, it just, I feel like, totally deflated the Giants organization there. And then we were back to Tommy DeVito. And, of course, you know, he was better than last week, but it's certainly not anything right now that would give you confidence to think he can lead them to a victory you know, in a normal fashion or way as the, uh, as the quarterback. More proof that there just aren't enough quarterbacks. He should not be playing. No. Tyrod Taylor's on injury reserve yep. after the chest injury, the ribcage injury. And, yeah, and uh, maybe they got to get him oh, ready because yeah. we'll talk about Jones coming up. It doesn't look good there. But for the Raiders... It's funny, there was a story making the rounds last week that was clearly fake, but I had so many people that were like wishing it was true, that were like, you need to look into this. The story about Halloween? Josh McDaniels dressed up as Mark Davis for Halloween, right, I saw brought that. in P.F. Chang's because that's Mark Davis's favorite restaurant, right. and Davis and McDaniels ended up eating together, and the fortune cookie that McDaniels opened said, you're fired. And it's so I mean, that would be the greatest movie moment of all it's time. It's so like, obviously phony. Right. But people wanted it to be true. But Jay Glazer reported yesterday that when the stuff hit the fan, the Thursday before that Monday night loss to the Lions, yeah. they had a team meeting, and the players unloaded on Josh McDaniels over and over again. So Antonio Pierce speaks on behalf of the coaches, and he says, hey, we need to have a culture here where we think we can beat anyone, kind of like the Giants in 2007, and we beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And McDaniels got pissed and said to him, "After never talk about the Patriots like that again. And it's like, are you freaking kidding me? So as Glazer reported it, that got to Davis, yep. and Davis said, I'm going to go with the guy that chooses to believe. Right. Isn't that amazing it, if that's is. what caused Davis oh, to do it? You know, I mean, to take a, a, a quote from Hunter Renfro, right? I think the whole organization was walking on eggshells a little bit. Oh, that's the new, it's a shame because, you know, Josh McDaniels, I think he realized the mistakes he made in Denver the first time around, and it seemed like some of the same mistakes happened again in, in, in uh, Las Vegas, and that's what's disappointing. But there's the Raiders. Not a great football team. Here they are at four and five and kind of staying relevant. Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. They'll keep fighting. We'll see what kind of energy Antonio Pierce can bring to the squad week in and week out here. And we'll see where it goes. And Might need more cigars. And my New York Giants are doomed. Yeah. All right, yeah. let's take a break. The Baltimore Ravens not doomed. They keep on rolling. We'll talk about their win over the Seahawks next year on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Crushed a Detroit Lions team with leading the division today. You beat another division leader by 34 points. How how close do you think this team is to, to hitting its you know hitting that peak, hitting that stride? Uh, we playing like that. We don't even need to hit no peak or stride. Just keep staying locked in how we are and just playing every opponent the same way. You know, physicality, being smart, uh, and defending what's ours. You know, our home turf. It's a great point by Lamar Jackson. There is no peak. We are the peak. Yeah. The peak is this. Right. This is it. We're at it. We right. keep doing what we do. We don't peak because if you peak, the implication is you're, you're going to drop. Right. We're, gonna, we're happy to plateau at kicking the crap out of the Lions right. and the Seahawks in consecutive home games, 38-6 right. to six and 37-3. And yeah, right. That's right. I, I mean, 
you know, I know we've been talking about the Ravens and all of that a, a lot, a lot lately, and and I I've been you know gushing about them on my podcast throughout the week because people ask me to watch film and do that. To me, I mean, it starts their defense. I, I think it's the best defense in football. I know Cleveland's awesome. I get that. I just think when you couple you know, the Ravens, the scheme, the personnel, the versatility in their scheme on the defensive side of the ball, it's just out of this world special. And we're seeing the same kind of thing on the offensive side of the ball. And, and, and so as good as Greg Roman was all those years running the ball, there was always an element of tying it together with a pass game that didn't work. That's not the case here. The drop-back pass game is more dangerous under Todd Munkin, and they still are every bit as effective running the ball like they were with Greg Roman as the OC. they got to go on both sides of the ball. There is no team in football that's going to play the Baltimore Ravens and be able to outmatch them or overpower them up front on either side of the ball. You saw them run the ball. Are you kidding me? Almost 300 yards running the ball against a Pete Carroll defense. Pete Carroll's old school defensive coach. They're, they're the kind of guys are where every game plan starts, so they got to stop the run. So to do that in this kind of football game, phenomenal. I think they found something in this Keaton Mitchell. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's, he, Mike, he, he's, they've been using him a little bit as of late as kind of a gadget guy, reverse, a carry here and there. And I've talked on my podcast a little bit about, like, they got to start giving this guy the ball. He's special. I think you're going to see it now, for now on. Lamar's playing awesome. They're spreading the ball around. And I think we're both in agreement that they're clearly, if we make the Eagles one, the Ravens are, you know, not too far behind as far as uh, PFT power rankings or anything like that. Undrafted out of East Carolina this year, ran a 4-3-7 in the uh-huh. 40. Had no carries before yesterday. Got nine for 138 and a touchdown. He's, yeah, he got, I think I got like some of those shovel passes is what I'm talking about. They were reverses, so they didn't count as carries. But uh, watch some of the draft was damn good. I had to do that Michigan-East Carolina game to start the year, and I kept, when I was watching East Carolina, I I'm going, who the hell is this running back? Holy cow, holy cow. And when we met with Michigan, Jim Harbaugh was like, thank God they don't have that running back from last year. We'd be scared. So you're seeing that there. Lamar is at the They'd absolute, have been fine. They'd have been fine because they, they knew like, what their plays were going to be. <laughs> they knew the signals. <laughs> <laughs> but they got it rolling right now. They really do. I, I, I don't think there's a team playing better football than the Baltimore Ravens uh, in the NFL right now. Absolutely. They've won four in a row to get to seven and two, and Lamar Jackson eighteen and one against the NFC as a starter, Isn't that incredible? which is just obscene. He was asked about that last week, and he's like, "I don't even want to hear that." Yeah, but, but to to see what they did to the Seahawks, and the yeah. Seahawks are the NFC's answer to the Dolphins. Check the box on the game Definitely. you're supposed to win, and lose the games you're supposed to lose. Right. Just hope you can hold it together. And they've still got that stretch that's coming up in 17 days. Yeah. 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles. That team that we saw yesterday is not going to be winning many of those games. And Pete Carroll starting to express concern about turnovers. That's the first step toward Drew Locke getting a chance to play. Yeah. You can defend Geno Smith all you want, sure. but if you're not protecting the ball in Pete Carroll's offense, you won't play. And yeah. that contract, much ballyhooed, three years, $100 million, it's a one-year deal. They can easily get out of it after this season. And if he keeps doing that, yes. like that, and Geno Stone told me, you know, I was kind of surprised he threw it. Yeah, for sure. And when he keeps doing that, he's not going to be playing. No, no, he's not. He's not. You know, And, and even with this, and this is a bad interception, Right, and they stop them and get the ball right back here. So as much as yeah, they don't want to turn the ball over, and I understand what Pete Carroll is saying here. This wasn't a huge difference in the football game. It wasn't. He gets strip sacked a little later on in the football game too. So yeah, it was a part of the football game. But you know, Pete can say whatever he wants. His team got his ass whooped in every phase. So don't just go blaming the quarterback all the way here. You know, the one thing I'll say with them, they're too talented to lose like this. They're too talented to have these moments like we've talked about the last few weeks. Cleveland last week, they went basically three quarters without doing anything. You know, the end of the Bengals game, right, where they lost that game into Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, they disappeared really through the last three quarters of that game. You know, I think when I look at Seattle, I go, there's no way they should have an offensive showing like that, even though I think the Ravens defense is the best in football. It's still, no. When you well, Geno can throw the ball, he's pretty athletic. You got Metcalf, Lockett, Fant, and Kenneth Walker, and Charbonnet, who's a damn good backup running back. You should not be scoring three points or going on the lulls they have. Their offensive line isn't quite 
there yet. And their offensive system to me is doesn't blow me out of the water. And those are some things that they got to fix here. And yeah, it does. It looks like they're that team right now in the NFC that just beats the teams they're supposed to beat. Odo Beckham Jr. scored his first touchdown since Super Bowl 56. He had five catches, 56 yards, and a score. Still not the guy that he used to be. No. It was great that he got his touchdown. Pure garbage time. They love Odell Beckham Jr. He's a great teammate. It was a great moment for him. It was a waste, wasted graphic by CBS saying first touchdown ever scored on his birthday. I mean, who the <laughs> hell cares about that? But um, He's OBJ. Everybody cares about him. And to your point, look at how they react still, when he scored still, and all that. But 15, yes. 15 million for what they've gotten out of no, I'm I, sorry. I that guy doesn't work here anymore. Yeah. That's not the guy I that we you. all fell in love with in 2014. It just shows you how quickly it can change. He's not that guy. Maybe he'll, as the season goes on, maybe this is the spark. I yeah. don't know. He's yeah. waiting for that moment. But I think it's kind of like trying to start a lawnmower. It's just not going to run like it did when you were, you know, 23, 24, right. 25 years He's old. He's still real good. Is he going to be taking over football games and be an elite receiver and one of the top five in football? No, that, that day has gone. Odell Beckham Jr. is like now you would go like he's an awesome number two. That's what you would really say. Man, we'd love to have a star and Odell Beckham Jr. because he could still beat you deep and run routes. He had a few other nice catches in the football game. So he's still pretty explosive, but – yeah, I mean, he was special, beyond special early in his career when he was with the Giants and all that. I mean, doing things that, like, nobody in the history of football can could do. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not that way anymore. Now, there are some of you out there, and one in particular who has emailed me multiple times this season saying, you don't talk enough about the Texans. I said, when they win more games, we'll talk about them. They won yesterday. They did it in a great way, and they've got something at quarterback and emergency kicker. We'll talk Texans (laughs) next here on PFT Live. Stroud in the gun, empty backfield after motion. First down to the Bucks, 15. Ten seconds to go. CJ gets the snap. CJ looking, throwing to the end zone. Yes! 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 With the reception! Rock and roll! My goodness! That was the moment the Texans pulled off the unlikely victory. As we mentioned earlier, both Texas teams got the ball back, needing a touchdown with 46 seconds exactly. Dallas did not pull it off. The Texans and C.J. Stroud did on the way. 470 passing yards, a single-game rookie record, five touchdowns. They had three guys with five catches, 100 or more yards, and a touchdown. First time, no, fourth time ever since the Super Bowl era that a team has done that. First time since the Rams of 2018, where three guys have had those kind of numbers. But when you got somebody thrown from 470, somebody's got to be catching the pass. Definitely. And, well, I think the most impressive thing, adding on to what you're saying, is it's not like it's dink and dunk and he's throwing screens and the guys are running for 70. He's throwing a slant and the guy runs for a 65-yard gain. The throws he is making are big-time throws. They're asking him, just like you'll see here in this highlight, hey, here's a 30-yard out route. Can you put it on the money? No problem, C.J. Stroud. I mean, his release, his throwing, his mechanics are as good as anybody in the game. It's a perfect spiral every time. He can throw the ball as hard as he wants. I mean, it's not Josh Allen, Mahomes as hard as he wants, but it's an elite arm in the NFL. He's got great feel in the pocket. He moves around well. I said this last night because we get done with our halftime show, right? And you guys do the third quarter taping, and I go and do my podcast. And I was getting ready to dress for the podcast, and I I knew C.J. Stroud was going to be a topic, and... I just started thinking about it. I was like, I, I mean, in all seriousness, is he the best rookie quarterback we've ever seen? I don't remember a rookie quarterback doing this. This is, it goes back into, I mean, some of the greats of all time when you really think about it. You know, Andrew Luck, maybe in his first year, they went to the playoffs, right? He had some great comeback wins. I think he threw 23 touchdowns and 18 interceptions, right? But this is, it's shaping up right now as one of the great rookie quarterback seasons I have ever seen. It really is because it's not like the team around him is so good that, oh, you know, this is like Dak Prescott taking over for Tony Romo with the Dallas Cowboys where they could run and the defense was awesome. You know, a lot of these games are relying on him and making the big throws, and that's where I'm just thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. 
He's the sixth player in league history to have 450 passing yards, five passing touchdowns, and no picks in one game. First rookie to ever do it. And as I mentioned, it's the single-game rookie record with 470, beating Andrew Luck's mark. Definitely not going to be like Peyton Manning, who has the single-season rookie interception record yeah, right. somewhere in the high 20s, and right. he keeps waiting for someone to beat it. I think he thought Blake Bortles might pull it off <laughs> eight, nine, ten years he ago, tried, whatever that I'm was. Sure. may have been ten years ago by now. My God, time flies. But C.J. Stroud... It just magnifies, and I know Bryce Young and the Panthers beat Stroud last week, but I think that yesterday's win, yeah. 46 seconds left, driving the field, this right. is a team that's learning how to win. Agreed, agreed. It's a bad team, yeah. traditionally, dysfunctional organization with all the Jack Easterby stuff and everything that's going on, but I give Nick Casario a ton of credit because somebody was trying to put the Jedi mind trick on him. Somebody was trying to get Stroud to drop. Yeah. With all that crap about processing and whatever that test is, yeah. C2, CS3, yeah, SUX, whatever. whatever it is. Kiss my ass test. Yeah, and and they were trying their damnedest. Yeah. And it's the ultimate Machiavellian approach to the draft. We love this guy so much that we want him, and we're going to spread all this crap about him in the hopes that we can draft him. Yeah. And it didn't work. Casario held firm. D'Amico Ryan's held firm. And they got something now. They got something special in C.J. Stroud. And it's great. And he's past the point where there's enough film for the defenses to game That's plan right. against It's it. not like it's, it's not some fluke. surprise now. Yeah. Right, exactly. Whatever they're trying to stop, they right. can't stop. Right. They didn't have Damian Pierce yesterday. I mean, you know, he's their star running back. So it, it's, they, the Buccaneers knew what they were going to get. They were going to get a heavy dose of C.J. Stroud. The game was so fun to watch, right, Mike? I mean, it really was. The end of the game was so back and forth. The fact that the, the Texans field goal kicker was hurt and then they had to go for two and, you know, it, you know they, they could have probably been up more or the game could have been tied in a few situations because they had to go for two and couldn't kick extra points. But it was back and forth. And, you know, to your point with Nick Casario, right, they dealt with some issues there. There's no doubt. And the Jack Easterby and, of course, Deshaun Watson and all that. But, They've hit on, you know, you look at the team, they've hit on their draft picks, and that's where Nick Casario has kicked butt, whether it's Tank Dell, what we saw there, Nico Collins, we talk about Damian Pierce, C.J. Stroud, you know, the Will Anderson, the pass rusher from Alabama, is a damn good player, Grint Greenard, the guy across from him at the other defense end, he's even better. They got the good safety in Petrie. I mean, they've done a really good job of building a young team, and to your point, I think they're starting to learn yeah, this is how you win. This is how you got to prepare week in, week out. This is the little things you got to do. And slowly but surely, it's coming along. And I mean, who the hell would have thought they'd be four and four with a quarterback lighting up the scoreboard like this, you know, into week nine? And they were the one team that we I said, think you and I agreed, yeah, and the AFC had no the chance playoffs. with the Raiders just behind. All <laughs> we, right. We better hold them to lose or we're going to be freezing cold takes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's take a break. More bad news for the New York Giants. We'll discuss that when PFC Live continues right after this. Daniel Jones yesterday with a non-contact knee injury. He uh, played one more play after that. Uh, the concern is the torn ACL. Tests today expected to reveal that he'll be done for the year. We'll wait to see what the outcome is. It did not look good. Jones had just come back from a neck injury that caused him to miss several games and put Tommy DeVito back in the lineup because Tyrod Taylor is on injured reserve with a rib cage injury. Not great for Daniel Jones. And, you know, I, I, look – We've talked about how it's not all his fault. Yeah. The Seahawks game several weeks back, he, what can you really do right. when you're constantly under duress? But it wasn't the anything close to the progression we thought we'd see in year two with no, Brian Dayball. No. That team is just – it's like last year did not even happen. Yeah. Fell, fell apart. Haven't been able to play games on their terms throughout this year. You know, the offense, and like you said, the offensive line was so bad. And then with Saquon Barkley getting hurt for that period of time there, they couldn't create anything. You know, they had nobody that scared you on the offensive side of the ball. They couldn't protect Daniel Jones. They got major issues. And, you know, I'm wishing or hoping the best for Daniel Jones. But, you know, that, that was one when we saw it happen live. Non-contact, you see the knee kind of collapse in like that. Usually not a good sign. I'm hoping it's not an ACL and maybe a PCL or an MCL or an LCL, one of those you know other ligaments, but we'll see where it goes. His body has been beat to shit, 
right? His whole career. And that's where it's a shame is where I do think it takes a cumulative effect on a guy like that with all the hits and things he has taken over the last four years. They traded Leonard Williams last week right before the deadline. This is another reason for the deadline to be later because now would be the time to take an offer for Saquon Barkley from the Bills or somebody. Now's the time to sell, but they can't. Yeah, week 10 should be the trade deadline. What's the rush? What, What is the rush? It would have been way more exciting you know, you're right. There would have been another handful of teams that would have been like, okay, we're officially out of it. Let's start to make moves. Let's be sellers. It would have been better for all of us. I think part of it is they don't want there to be a cluster of crap teams that have given up, especially now. Yeah, it's a solid point. And I, you know, between the Sunday night flex, the Monday night flex, the Thursday night flex, it's above our pay grade. It's NFL decision. But I think that adding the two others, Thursday and Monday, has complicated the whole process. So it's right. not as easy as it used to be to get a game that out of – Sunday, Monday, or Thursday that maybe they don't no, want. It so seem like it. we don't we yeah. don't want to encourage teams to give away all their players. Right. So we've got you know ragtag group of nobody out here playing, and and from the other side of the coin too, I don't know how much better one guy really can make defensively. Yes, you can plug him in. It's got to be hard offensively to get a guy up to speed. But if a team wants to do it, why shouldn't it? You know, like at least a week. They moved the season back a week by adding an extra game, yeah. at a minimum. The draft or the trade deadline, excuse me, should go back, back a week, yeah, yeah. and and the Giants would be in a position today to maybe call the Bills and say, "What do you want to give us for Saquon Barkley?" Yeah, sure, right, right. I, I I hear you there. I think there'd be a few teams that would be in that boat right there with them and go, "Okay, it's over. or officially out of it. Let's give up and let's move on and let's see where it goes." But yeah, G men, you know, the tough schedule early on, the injuries early on. They just were, you know, swimming in the deep end from the get-go, and they've never been able to really right the ship. The other New York team plays tonight on Monday Night Football, not Aaron Rodgers versus Justin Herbert. We'll get you ready for Monday Night Football when PFT Live continues right after this. Tonight, tonight, it's coming tonight, hot damn tonight. The Chargers at the Jets, even though Aaron Rodgers won't be playing, Zach Wilson will be. Yeah. Justin Herbert will be. Lots of stuff to watch. Superfan may be there with Buffalo Wild Wings hat. You never know what you're going to see on Monday Night Football. (laughs) Yeah. But with the Chargers, you don't know what you're going to get. With the Jets, they just kind of hang around and hang around and hang around, and the defense is good. That's right. Make something happen. That's right. You know, you never know. You almost I'm gotta, looking forward to it. Yeah, you almost got to play the Jets like you play the, the Dallas Cowboys. You know, one of the goals of the game is just go, don't let their defense win the football game. Don't let strip sack fumbles and all that happen to where, you know, you know we let that take over. And, of course, with Zach Wilson, like we see, he takes care of the football. He makes few throws here and there. The Jets can win a football game. It's going to be interesting. I know you took the Jets in a close one. I have the Chargers in a close you one. You need this one, too. I do. I know, because we had some disagreements this week. And Seven. I think this is only a you know, one game. This will make it 4-3. Or I'm five, up 4-2, two. Two. Right. so it's either going to be 5-2 or 4-3. That's a huge swing okay. in All our right. year standings. Big. There was a point yesterday, though, oh, it was... where I was up 4-0, I know. I was like, oh, and it was going to no. be 5-0 if the Bucks hadn't pissed down their leg against the Texans. <laughs> 5-0. <laughs> Because I wanted seven so bad. Oh, I God. wanted to go seven and oh so bad. Bastard, uh, what do you mean? It's com- I'm competitive. <laughs> be- I can't beat you at anything else. <laughs> I mean, we could we could box, be a one-punch knockout. We could wrestle. You'd throw me through the wall. This is all I got. <laughs> yeah, no, we have some good duels here. And you got my number when it comes to picking games, so it drives me crazy. But I do think it'll be good. The Chargers can protect the passer, and they I do think we'll be able to, you know, Herbert pick them apart four, five, eight yards at a time. We'll see if they can consistently do it and then the Jets defense offense can they move the ball consistently in the Chargers we'll see let me drop a little a yeah. little nugget before we oh, drop out, a I was nugget. poking around a little bit this weekend yeah. someone in the know right told me that what Aaron Rodgers is going to want to start practicing in a couple weeks wow that that's the assumption whoa that's the assumption whoa practicing in a couple weeks stay tuned see you tomorrow see ya Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 